And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative on a Wednesday evening. It's so good to be with you tonight. We have a very special guest, the CEO of Sparvarius. What a great name. Chris Goldsmith is here. I'm actually a huge fan of Chris Goldsmith. If you've seen Nicole Wallace's show on MSNBC, you'd have seen his brilliant explanations, as he does very often explaining how disinformation is working in America and how it's impacting all pockets of our lives and what we can do about uh, stopping it. And tonight, we're going to go through his incredible story. It's really a worthwhile story for everyone to stick around because it brings together all the Russian disinformation from way back in 2016 and connects it to what happened on January the 6th and still going on today with uh, the various forms of militia groups that are are trying to unseat the traditional norms of democracy. So Chris, it's great to have you here tonight. We look forward to having this conversation with you. I got to tell you, Sparvarius is one of the best names I've ever heard for any company. I have, I think narrative is pretty good, but I, uh, I have some uh, envy over Sparvarius. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's part of the taxonomic name of the American Kestrel, which is the smallest and most prolific raptor in the Western Hemisphere. Oh, really? Uh, the, the reason why I ended up choosing it is when the Nazis escaped Germany and came to the Americas, the routes that they took were called rat lines. And I wanted to you know, come up with something that hunts rats. Uh, interesting. It's, it's interesting. Brilliant. So, so the, the American kestrel, beautiful little bird. Uh, there's a good chance that if you live in the United States, you've seen one and you probably don't know that. And that's what I'm all about is I operate in the open. I'm not a sneaky hacker or anything like that. I, I'm just good at Googling stuff and finding bad guys. Well, there's a lot you can find on Google these days. Um, and in fact, you were able to infiltrate a militia group. And we're going to talk all about that a little later on as we go through the show. I'm having some difficulty with the tape I was going to run at the news block. So we're going to go right into the interview, which, you know, takes us back to 2017. Your 2017 and my 2017 were probably quite similar. We were both trying to figure out what was going on in America with Russia's attack on democracy. And I think it was around you know April 2017 or thereabouts that it sort of became kind of clear that Facebook was somehow being used as a way to really change the perception of people in America about what was going on in America. And then it turned out that it was Russia that was involved in all of that and that they helped Donald Trump be elected. So it was like a, a lot of discovery over that period of time. Now, you were doing something really fascinating at the time. You just finished your, um, did you finish your deployment uh, in Iraq at that time? or? or? Oh, I, I deployed back in 2005. So okay. I've, I've been out of the military out of the United States Army since 2007. Okay. And have since been a veteran advocate. So I was working for Vietnam Veterans America when I made these discoveries. And tell me about the discovery. Tell me about this incredible document that you came up with. Um, and, and then we'll go into how you managed to deal with that in Facebook directly. Sure. So in 2017, I was working for Vietnam Veterans America, which is an organization by and for people in their mid 70s. So naturally, being the resident millennial, I was assigned the duties of assisting them with social media and, and communications. Go figure out and that Facebook stuff, Chris. <laughs> it's basically, yeah. So while managing Vietnam Veterans America's Facebook page, I found an imposter that had just been created a few months earlier, but had going on by the time it closed down a quarter of a million followers. They were mm -hmm. using our logo, they were using our name, and they were using website. photos. Yes, and they, uh -oh. were, they were using photos of our CEO at reflaying ceremonies. And they were posting, so this was the Facebook page I, that I found. We're mm -hmm. Vietnam, or my former organization that I was with, Vietnam Veterans of America, 
the Facebook page that they used was Vietnam Vets of America. Right. Which is, you know, a frequent derivative of the name that we use yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. So when people typed in Vietnam Vet and the auto-populated search results come, they would get Vietnam Vets of America sure, first. Absolutely. So it would be the first thing they click on. So I clicked on the page and I'm looking at it and I see a, a couple of different websites and they're all posting things about veterans' health care, veterans' benefits, stories about veterans. And I'm thinking at first, like, we got to find this person and offer them a job and, like, merge the Facebook pages. They're doing a great job. You know, yeah. I thought it was a member you yeah. know, <laughs> operating somewhere out of Europe. They had me fooled for, <laughs> for probably the first couple of days. And then I started to notice that they were sharing manipulated media. Hmm. The most, I think, the penultimate thing that I found was a 58-second-long video that was uh, had been recorded a local news station in rural Massachusetts about an African-American Vietnam veterans monument being defaced. Not with, like with a sledgehammer or spray paint. Looked like some kid rubbed some red berries on it or something. Right. Local news story, anything with vets in it is going to get the clicks. It's going to get the eyeballs. 58 seconds long, nothing too dramatic. But what they had done... I found out they were Bulgarians after a long investigation. Mm. They had taken this 58-second video and they had looped it for four hours and tricked Facebook into presenting it as a live video. So Facebook's algorithms reward video, period, and reward video that's live more so. Absolutely. So when it was coming up in people's uh, news feeds, they were seeing what looked like a live breaking story, a veteran's monument that was being defaced. Mm. And the even more tricky thing was these Bulgarian trolls, I don't know who they were working for, put this meme style text across the top. So you've got the real Chiron at the bottom that says mm. veterans, African-American monument defaced. And then you have the meme style text saying, do you think the criminals must suffer? Hard emoji for no, angry emoji for yes. Mm. So that's another way to trick the algorithm because the like and the share are one thing. But the time that it takes you to drag your cursor or your finger from like to angry or like to heart shows you're more invested. Right. So I watched this. Interesting. Watched this interesting. Video They're so familiar live. with it. They knew the algorithm so well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when I first presented this evidence to Facebook, they were like, oh, you just need to invent more engaging content. <laughs> I was like, well, they, these people clearly have a team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very familiar with the algorithm. I don't have somehow. the capacity to do this. Yeah. yeah. So then what happened? Did they take down the video? Did they help you eliminate it or did you just leave it alone for a while? And then you continue so to try and find other examples of, that, of this kind I, of propaganda. I started doing what I think most Americans who started recognizing this kind of propaganda were doing, and that was reporting, using the reporting function on Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, the little three dots or whatever it is, uh, report to Facebook, yeah. you know, fake news, whatever. And the automated system that that goes into every time was like, oh, it does not violate our, our policies, does not violate our policies. So I'm getting, you know, dozens of these kickbacks on any report that I make, doesn't matter what the content's about. So eventually i just started appealing to the press going to stars and stripes military times military.com those smaller papers and websites that cover the military and veterans community very very closely once we got their attention we got congress's attention and it was you know somewhat of uh, lucky timing mark zuckerberg was sitting in a hearing and one of the members of congress asked him hey what's this i hear about a fake vietnam veterans page you know mm -hmm. they've been trying to take it down and you're not taking it down so 
naturally Zuckerberg doesn't know anything about it. Of course. And then, you know, the page magically becomes a problem and gets taken down that night. So somehow they violated the policy overnight. Yeah. That's how they do it at Facebook. They wait for the wait for something to surface and then they respond and their policing doesn't seem to happen very proactively. But your report is stunning. I mean, so how did you get from, you know, there's a Vietnam vets thing that's similar to your companies or your, your organization, uh, similar Facebook uh, page to this incredible investigation that you did, which showed how American military personnel around the world were being targeted by Russian disinformation efforts, you know, as early as 2017, like even before that, presumably. Um, yeah, I, I found pages that were dating back to 2015 that mm. um, I I'd have to go through my notes closely, but I'm quite sure that they were uh, managed by the Internet Research Agency, the, the Russian troll farm. Mm -hmm. So once I found this and I realized when I found this network of websites and I found the Instagram account, the Twitter accounts, all using our branding, I started to recognize this is not just a persistent, but a sophisticated actor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I say it. Uh, to everybody, I'm no like special intelligence guy. I just Google stuff. Mm. So I just started going to the search bar on Facebook, typing in the word veteran. And I quickly found well over a hundred pages that were run by foreign administrators that were mm. targeting specifically American troops and veterans with all sorts of, not just disinformation campaigns, politically divisive content, stuff pushing people towards extremism but also things like romance scams and, mm. you know, trying to take people's private information and financial information, that kind of thing. So I presented my early batch of evidence to Vietnam Veterans America's CEO and said like, hey, you know, these foreigners are using pictures of you to trick people mm. in, into thinking that they're supporting an American veterans group. You know, do I have your permission to continue this investigation? And, you know, he kind of did the hamada domina. Mm -hmm. You're now the chief investigator of Vietnam Vet <laughs> uh, Veterans America. Yeah. Um, for, I used to say I was, I'd be the first and last chief investigator of any veterans organization, but <laughs> I, don't think so. I, I think my investigation <laughs> is, has shown like this kind of work is necessary. Absolutely. Um, It's remarkable actually, because that's what I underline for everyone watching and listening that what we're talking about is an organized effort by foreign countries to target American personnel, wherever they are in the world, and basically compromise their thinking, starting to feed in or seed information that might lean them politically more right, might make them feel more disgruntled. We'll go through some examples in a bit, but we're talking about a mass effort, coordinated effort by an adversary or adversaries to really change the mood and mentality and the orientation of their of the, of the beliefs of many of our servicemen around the world. It's a large-scale targeted effort, not just some sort of haphazard thing that they did by accident or that happened to attract some of these audiences. It went to the military personnel directly and was targeted at them. Yeah. And after I presented my early evidence, they made me the chief investigator and, and my guardrails were find the way that foreign actors are targeting our population. Don't get into domestic uh, disinformation. If, if you know that had been the focus, it would have been a 200 page report primarily about our sitting commander in chief at the time, Donald mm -hmm. Trump. So through simply using Facebook to do searches on Facebook, I started to find all of these obvious patterns about this, the use of the same imagery, the same slogans, the same logos, the same branding. And also what a lot of the IRA, as we're running through some of these, some of these uh, political figures that are very clearly 
democratic figures amongst them, like um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there, um, it looks to me like um, they were targeted in a specific way too. Yeah, absolutely. So I published my report in September 2019 and had been working on it for two years prior. So they were anticipating who was going to be candidates in the 2020 election before a lot of them even announced in the primaries. So I wrote a chapter including a ton of these types of photos you're showing right now, where they were attacking uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, Biden, Kamala Harris, Gillibrand. I mean, unbelievable. They, this is after they, 2016. This is after we've figured out that they had already meddled in the 2016 elections. Here they are doing the same thing out in the open in public, uh, ready for the 2020 elections. Unbelievable. It's really kind of stunning how the goal of it all and how in the open it was. But it's not surprising to those of us who've been studying the Trump Russia for so many years. Clearly, this has been a coordinated campaign to destabilize America all the way through. But why it's so pernicious and why it impacts um, our current standing today is because it attacks the military. And, you know, at the time, there was presumably quite a few disgruntled, maybe unhappy people um, having, you know, two wars that seem to have been going on forever. Uh, you know, there were easy targets, really, for foreign governments who were looking for easy prey to try and radicalize or at least increase their disgruntlement with the either the government or the political left. Well, so the primary reason that my population, service members and veterans are targeted is because we're an economically efficient target. There is not evidence that I've seen that says that service members of veterans are uniquely or extraordinarily vulnerable to targeted to propaganda campaigns. But we are worth much more in per dollar spent and per hour spent in terms of work. If you change the mind, it doesn't matter if you're a Russian uh, sitting in a troll farm or if you're a Republican doing a, an ad for Facebook, if you can change the mind of a veteran, you're more likely to get that entire veteran's family and uh, that veteran's social circle in the pre-social media sense. Hmm. I give you an example. When I was 20 years old, I had deployed to Iraq for a year and come home sit down in the town bar, you know, the, the, the bar around the corner where, where all the high school folks go, sit down and guys that I went to school with who were four years older than me, who I didn't think I'd ever knew who I was, you know, they were seniors, I was freshmen, would sit down next to me and they would talk to me for hours about politics, about global affairs, about the war, because my experience in the military they valued it and they valued my opinions mm -hmm. and they they took those opinions to heart now multiply that times you know 19 20 21 million uh veterans across the country we are the most economically efficient target group within the united states right that's but you think it's a mainly an economic thing that they were doing or do you think that they i mean it seems to me the goals were political not economic well, what I'm saying is if you're going to invade, uh, if you're going to engage in warfare of any kind, mm -hmm. it's an economic problem. It, your resources that you have available, your your personnel power, your, your money, your hardware, your development, uh, all of that is an economic right. problem. Right. So, so the cost of the impact cost and, and uh, impact would be better. So, um, you know, people on, online are, by the way, if you're watching uh, on social media, you can also join our chat at narrative.org forward slash TV, where we've got an interactive chat going on. where We can take your comments directly on the screen. And what people are pointing out right now on the chat is that 
you know, it's freedom of speech. There's nothing really wrong with what was was going on here. I mean, there's not, nothing illegal necessarily. If a foreign government wants to do this, they can do it, right? So uh, the First Amendment's a, a tricky thing. I'd like to remind people that Facebook is not a government. You know, mm -hmm. Facebook is not the public square. Facebook is a privately owned company. And Facebook has a right to either choose to be, you know, defensive of democratic ideals or allow our foreign adversaries to attack the country that supported them, that made them a global power. So, you know, we've unfortunately seen, especially in the last five, six years, that Facebook has really put profits above anything else. And right. that has, you know, led us to this entire discussion, everything from the disinformation campaigns to the insurrection. I mean, it's, that's generous to say that they've put profits in front of everything else. It seems like they're politically inclined to where Russia is standing on many things, um, or at least our adversaries. I mean, it's it's not just that they've got investments from Yuri Milner and those kinds of people in Facebook, which, you know, are questionable at best. But, you know, the deal they got with Russia was pretty, was a sweetheart deal. You know, they've got a lot of investment and no, and no board seats. So they seem to be very cooperative with Russia. In fact, I think VK, whatever the version of, of Facebook is over there, is very similar to Facebook, almost startlingly similar, that people question whether it is the same. So, you know, I feel like there's a, or let me say it this way, that there is more to, to the story than just the profits. I feel like there's a perhaps a political agenda that's built into Facebook. And it's sure, you know, when, when you look at their lack of a reaction to so many of these revelations over the years, that it just seems unlikely that it's just, just profits, because, you know, some of it must be hurting the bottom line, too. So I think as ideological as these tech bros get who run mm -hmm. these companies, Jack Dorsey, at, at, you know, now formerly of Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, is they have this hardcore social libertarian idea. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what evidence is before them. They are married to it. They believe that, oh, well, the truth will always win in our popular discussion. Mm -hmm. Again, like we know this is not true now because yeah. anger is rewarded by the algorithms. Mm -hmm. You know, anger is more likely to go viral in the pre-internet sense. You know, the phrase, it, if it bleeds, it leads on mm -hmm. your local TV station, right? So the truth doesn't matter. What matters is eyeballs and clicks. And that is, that is Facebook's like ultimate thing. Yeah, engagement. They are going to do everything that they can to keep people glued to their platform as, as much as possible. Now, for those of us who've done a lot of research into what happened in 2016 and before, really, the notion that there was a lot of these memes was is pretty standard, but I want you to go through some of these because these were mostly constructed out of what the Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg. This is, you know, the where Putin's chef um, likes to hang out and have and not cook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he cooks some memes instead of, of meals. But, you know, there's nevertheless, these are very <clears throat> disturbing um, and kind of, and the volume of them seems incredible. Um, as we look through some of these, these are all about, you know, tell all the pro overpaid protesters at the NFL to put on this uniform. And, you know, it's a, it's obviously a fallen soldier there. Uh, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, the, this, it seems to amp up the the temperature of soldiers um, at that period of time and of vets, which must have been, uh, which was obviously very effective because you look at the growth of the militia movement at that time, pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you look at what's what's been scrolling through the screen, you see pictures of coffins, you see mm -hmm. this sign that says vets before illegals. 
everything that uh, the IRA was doing, if it wasn't just audience building, sometimes they had an innocuous audience building, you know, cute kittens type of, of innocuous content, mm-hmm. um, was to push people towards the extremes and create these false dichotomies. You know, the, the phrase in terms of the policy world, in, in terms of like legislation and executive decisions coming out of government, the phrase veterans before refugees makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. There, there is no world in which refugees and veterans are, uh, are, you know, being cared for out of the same pot of money. That's simply not how the federal government works. Veterans before, you know, quote, illegals. There's no world in which um, undocumented immigrants are taking money or benefits or right. health care or housing away from veterans. But None of the average person, the average American has no idea how policy works. So when they see these flashy slogans, these offensive uh, slogans, they're they're going to engage with it because it strikes they, a chord. I mean, it strikes their fear. Yeah. So, I mean, so they're going to engage, you know, that's just exactly what people do when you strike fear. Uh, and it's amazing to me that so you found this in 2017 and 2018. Did no one know anything about this before? Did, and did, this was completely under the radar before that. Nobody, as we headed into the 2016 elections and we started seeing a, a, a population that was exceedingly extremist or more extremist than we'd seen before. No one knew that this was going on from your perspective. Uh, not to this scale. I mean, there there had been uh, by the time I started this project, there had been you know some pretty major journalistic pieces that were analyzing you know these these fake pages. Mm. But it was only when I started this research that Facebook made available to us the users the little tab that identified where the admins were. Uh. Now this is a, a tool that I, I'm quite certain is still available on Facebook as a standard thing. You know, it's not like a developer only tool, but nobody clicks on it. So for two years, this existed. And I was like the only Facebook user hmm. on the planet hmm. who was looking at the tab and seeing, oh, you know, Vietnam Veterans America, Bulgaria, three admins, zero in the US. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's why, I, you know, try to emphasize, I'm not some sort of intelligence genius. I just hmm. Google things. That's it. Google's powerful. And you you got a good brain, obviously. So Cut to uh, January 6th, and we've been talking a lot about January 6th and the build-up to January 6th on, on narrative over the last few months because we've really felt like it's a place we need to really investigate and figure out what was going on, in particular, why these militia groups were so enraged. You know, I mean, yes, we know that their election was supposedly stolen, but how did they get to the point where, where they were so enraged and the amount of hatred, especially to Nancy Pelosi and, and to everybody, including even Mike Pence, is, when you listen to some of those Zello calls that we played some yesterday, where the conference call where they were all talking while they were invading the Capitol, it seems like there was just so much anger and also repetitive brainwashing that seemed to be going on during the call. But it, it must have started earlier on. I mean, this can't just have showed up on January the 6th. It obviously has a longer history. And it strikes me that this must be it. You know, this Facebook polarization, this incitement, this kind of, you know, scaring people into positions they wouldn't normally hold is probably where all of this began. I would argue that it began with Fox News. Mm-hmm. It began with the word Benghazi. I mean, if you say Benghazi, 50% of America all of a sudden turns red and mm-hmm. they're, they're infuriated and they're just like, ah, oh, Hillary Clinton killed a bunch of people. Well, you know, I served in the war of Iraq. Can you tell me how many thousands of soldiers died? These people will not be able to answer that question. But those four people who died in Benghazi in a country, they couldn't name which country right. Benghazi's in, right? Because these people are just brainwashed. They've been watching Fox News and the right 
has been shameless. So I'm not just talking about the right wing media, but the official GOP platform has been about oversimplifying complex problems. And rather than attacking policies, they attack individuals. So it's not Democrats have a wrongheaded view of foreign policy. It's Hillary Clinton killed people on purpose. Right. That's their conclusion that they're drawing out of it. Yeah. Now, the difference between you know Fox News and Facebook is Facebook removes the editor from the situation. There needs to be on Facebook, there's going to be an editor, there's going to be a producer who's approving content to go on and you have a finite, you have 24 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. On Facebook, there's no editor. Anybody can type anything. Anybody can start a conspiracy right, theory. Right. And if they're like the Russian IRA, they're good at uh, developing engaging visual content. Mm-hmm. They can create a movement like QAnon virtually overnight. Mm-hmm. And did. And did. That's exactly how they did it. So, you know, brainwashing ordinary folk is one thing. Brainwashing mm-hmm. military personnel is another. I mean, you're talking about people who've got not only the training, but the means to access a lot of these weapons and, and just a very different kind of mentality. They're not, they're not frightened by war. They might even be attracted to it. So, you know, this is a very sophisticated psyop against America. You know, this is not just, let's brainwash some people. You know, I think that because it's Facebook, everyone thinks, ah, how impactful could that be? But it, it's really about mobilizing an army. It's about mobilizing a militia. And they did this very thing. They mobilized several militias which stormed the Capitol. I mean, that's how significant this whole thing is. And people tend to dismiss it, but it really isn't something you can dismiss because this is in fact how we got to this very violent insurrection on January the 6th. Yeah, and what started on Facebook with Russia targeting service members and veterans to try and brainwash them to turn them into extremists against not just the government of the United States, but the people of the United States, Mm. people like me who disagree with them. They think that I ought to not to exist, right? Mm. We've moved on from that to now alternative platforms like Gab run by a guy named Andrew Torba, who Mm. has created it explicitly to be a safe space for neo-Nazis. It is a platform that exists on anti-Semitism. And one of the primary projects that he's had throughout the year of 2021 is convincing people on active duty, troops who are in uniform right now, that the vaccine is dangerous and that they should download papers off of Gab and give it to their commander and say, you know, this is my religious exemption. You can't make me get the shot. So there are domestic actors now, far right domestic actors who are convincing service members and veterans to ruin their careers Mm. and get sick with a potentially deadly virus. And what happens after they ruin their careers? They end up without healthcare. They end up without the GI Bill. They end up more vulnerable economically than the average vet. And, you know, who do they find on the outside? They find the three percenters, they find the oath keepers, they find a support network that will accept them and their brainwashed views about magnetic Dr. Fauci Mm. superbugs or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a stream of lies, but it's become detrimental to their lives and also to America's existence. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a sort of a cancerous thing going on in America where where the lies have become deadly and uh, mm-hmm. are actually deadly to democracy. And it all does go back, you know, if we can geek out a little bit here, to Russia. You know, at the end of the day, Russia's attack on democracy was a pretty broad spectrum thing. 
it was, you know, certainly it was the GRU hacks of DNC. It was the WikiLeaks. It was Konstantin Kalimnik getting uh, polling results from Manafort. That's what sort of, let's call it that below the line. But above the line where people were, you know, people had access to this information. We're talking about things like the Facebook groups, the internet research agencies, plus the Russian operatives on the ground who are organizing events for Black Lives Matter and all these other things. Plus, Infowars, you know, which Alex Jones runs, um, and his connections to Russia are pretty well known. I mean, they built a very sophisticated, and this is just Russia, we haven't got to China and all the other countries, but they built a very sophisticated machine to disrupt American life. And even though it begins with Facebook and it feels like that's how harmful can that be, it is the biggest problem facing America right now. When you talk about the inability for America to get back together and to move away from polarization, it's Facebook that's the challenge. Or at least one part of it. You know, it, Facebook was a major catalyst towards getting us to this new era where uh, America is, is broken in a way that most of us probably couldn't have imagined uh, 10 years ago. But now the problem is that all of these people like Alex Jones followers, people who are sharing Infowars, you know, fake stories, conspiracy theories by Infowars, they've been kicked off of Facebook now. And they exist in what is the dark to most mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So people like me, researchers, have to follow them down the rabbit hole. So now I'm, I'm spending all day where I used to spend all my time, you know, with multiple Facebook pages open, you know, scanning all of those all day. Now I don't even research Facebook anymore. It's old news. The real dangerous stuff exists on these alternative platforms like Telegram, whose right. CEO just happens to live in Russia. And yeah, you know, I mean, that, the company's Russian, of course. Yeah. And so and know, there's no guardrails there at all. Everything, you know, anything's available on Telegram. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.